Shalom. This is Yehudi Feldman. We're continuing with chapter 22 of Mishlei. Uh, chapter 22, verse 17 is starting for us, unit 22b, which is going to go on to chapter 23, around verse 14. And this unit itself begins a whole subsection that's going to go on until chapter 24, verse 22. Uh, the subsection consists of exactly 70 verses and 30 sayings. Uh, the 30 sayings are going to be mentioned clearly in verse 20 of chapter 22. shalishim, most likely shiloshim, This is probably how Archbishop Langdon got the idea that the uh, chapters of Mishle should be approximately 30 verses long, but the, uh, the entire collection is very closely related to what we're doing today to an Egyptian collection called the uh, Sayings of uh, Amenem Mop, and this collection predates the time of Shlomo HaMelech, most likely seems to have you know, been interchanged back and forth during the period that Shlomo was very, very palsy-wowsy with Egypt married a, uh, a, a daughter, Batparo, traded extensively with the Egyptians, horses, everything safe in Devarim said not to do, that's exactly what Shlomo did. And there's no question that there was an interchange between Egyptian wisdom literature and uh, Sefer Mishlei, and it's most apparent in the uh, verses we're going to be doing today. Some of the verses today are almost exactly the same as the ones in this Egyptian collection, and we'll mention them a bit as we go along. Uh, in fact, the whole term is now only known because of the fact that that's exactly how the Egyptian collection is introduced. We're going to give you 30 sayings, and the Korean Exif couldn't make up their minds whether it was Shoshom or Shoshim, but now we know that this is a collection that, you know, begins with Now, Tarkam Yohanatan reads it as if it says And I think Yohanatan might be up to something there. It may very well be that that's the uh, Girsah that he had in front of him. And it certainly makes sense because in the entire collection from chapter 10 on to chapter 22, not once did you see the word B'ni, whereas you had that all along in the first nine chapters, and we're going to have it now several times. So it's apparent what we have here, number one, is a father-son dialogue, or a teacher-student dialogue. And furthermore, the style is completely different than the one we've become accustomed to. Most of the proverbs we had in the last 12 chapters were essentially one-verse units at the most two-verse units, and, and they did not really relate to each other. You had to work hard to make them relate to each other. In the collection we're about to be doing, it's quite clear that the verses are intended to relate to each other, and sometimes a few at a time. For example, the whole start of this, verses 17 uh, through 21, is five verses, which is like an introduction to the rest of the collection. 
um, listen, my son, and you shall hear. It'll be sweet for you if you see to it that you keep them in the inside you all the time. And yachtav here does not mean together, it means kulam. Like Mishpatash and I met, tzadku yachtav means tzadku kulam. So they'll, they'll, they'll stand better if they're all together, ready to be said, if you have them memorized and you're able to use them immediately. Liyot b'ashem miftachacha. You know, again, this idea of bitachon b'ashem, though much more characteristic of Tehillim than Mishlei, is basically out there everywhere in Tanakh. And this is one basic point the father wants to say to the son. Ho diaticha hayom afata. I'm letting you know this, you, you yourself. It doesn't mean I did this, I'm about to do this, okay? doesn't mean he has, he, he's about to do that, not that he's already done it, okay? About to give you 30 sayings of Moesa and Da. Lahodiacha, Kosht, Emre, Emet, Lahashiv, Amarim, Emet, Lashochecha. I divide this into lahodiacha kosht. Kosht is an Aramaic word for emet. Those the truth of words of truth. Lahashiv amarim emet l'shochecha. So you have three truths in one verse, similar to what we have at the end of Kriyashma, where you say emet v'yasiv, and then you know kayemet, and emet v'yalamalkenu, and emet v'yatohu. You know the whole bit. Emet, 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 again and again, because that's basically the whole theme is that what is about to be said to you is the truth and that you can depend on it. Now comes the meat, in other words, the actual sayings. Almost exactly similar to the one of the Egyptian. Do not, now, with Zol, we tend to understand, we've been taught, that gazal means to rob and ganav means to steal, meaning ganav is if the victim does not know about it until they discover it, and gazal means you hold a gun to someone or, or hold them up on the, on, on the, on the road, uh, but that doesn't always work. Sometimes gazal could mean to basically to do something without the person's knowledge, and ganav can mean to do something very much with the person's knowledge. Ganav is the word for kidnapping, and that's certainly what the person's knowledge. So, uh, and Gazal sometimes means just to take something away from its rightful owner. So, why say out dahu? Doesn't mean because the person's poor. It means since the person's poor, to take from them might essentially mean that they have nothing left to eat and they're going to die. So it's much greater sin to steal from the poor than it is to steal from the rich. When you steal from the poor, they may not have anything left. Al-Tadakhani-Vashar means do not, you know, um, suppress, oppress a poor man or a suffering person in the gate of justice. In other words, do not use the course of justice to crush the poor. Interestingly enough, Rabbi Akiva and Mivrash Mishwei makes a statement that what this means is don't let the wretched condition of the yani, you know, the dika'on of the yani, make you swerve in judgment even if you feel pity 
judge the way justice is supposed to be done, like Vidal Lo Tehadab Rivo. I don't think Rabbi Akiva's interpretation in this verse is plain Pashup Shah, but it's interesting that he would pick up the verse this way. Ki Hashem Yariv Rivam the Kava et Kovehem Nefesh. The reason why you shouldn't do something like that is because the person who's going to pick up your case, or I should say their persona, is no one short of Hashem himself. And he will see to it that the people who committed such a terrible injustice against the poor will pay for what they've done, and if necessary, with their lives. Why would you think that somebody would pay with their lives for a monetary damage, because as I said at the beginning, taking the last bit of bread from the poor means that the poor person can starve. This was a two-verse unit. The next is another two-verse unit. Notice also the introduction of new ways of expressing things. Ow, ow, ow. Not used in the whole last collection of 375 verses. Pen, ow, pen. Don't do this because that might happen. Don't get buddy-buddy with angry people. Don't have anything to do with them. Because you might learn something from them. They might train you to do the wrong thing. And then you're going to be setting up a trap for yourself. Now, the word la'alef means to train. It's not a common word in Tanakh. It has become a common word in contemporary Hebrew. La'alef is basically a word for a trainer. Al-tihit betokei chaf ba'orvim ma'sha'ot. Im ein l'chava shalem, loma yikach mishkavacha mitachtecha. This is a common theme in all the wisdom collections. Don't be co-sign loans. Don't shake your hands to co-sign a loan because if it turns out you don't have the money to pay, you're going to have your bed taken out from under you. And the point basically being a lot of times people co-sign something thinking, well, they're never going to have to actually make good on what they're co-signing. The primary obligation lies with the actual lender. But of course, once you co-sign, you become an actual lender. And if the other person doesn't, after all, why does the bank require a co-signature? Because they don't feel that the first person has enough security to back up the loan. Your security is backing up the loan. And so don't be too surprised if, if the first person fails to pay, you have your bed pulled out from under you. Al tasei gavu olam asher asu avotecha. Lahasigavul uh, basically means to move the boundary stone. That's the plain meaning of that Matanach. And the idea being that the boundary stones originally in Eretz Yisrael were set up in the time of Yahushua ben Nun. And uh, essentially they were done on the basis of a goral that came from Hashem. And Achuzah is something precious and is not to be moved. Uh, look what happens when Achav tries to buy Navos Nachala. Navot reacts by saying, Chalilali, we take that Nachalat Avotailach, and Achav has to use a very, very, you know, questionable means to get Navos Nachala, uh, because basically you're not supposed to basically, Vaharetz Lo Timacherlis Mitut. So Hasagat Kabul is such a serious uh, Avera 
that is mentioned as one of the twelve in the Arurs in Kiparshaki Tavo, chapter twenty seven of Sefer Zivarim. Arur Masid Gavul Rayehu. Finally, Chazita Ishmahir Bumalachto with name Malachim Yitzav Bal Yitzav with name Chashukim. If you've seen someone who's really skilled at what they do, they're going, and not only skilled, Mahir also has the meaning of gets the job done quickly. It has both meanings. Mahir means skillful. Usually the word is used to describe the self-care. And I would say that the plain posture shot means if you find a scribe who gets the words done quickly and skillfully, get that person before the king because a person of that nature and that skill uh, has no business being anywhere in fr- except in front of the highest office, not in front of Kim, which are like dark or lower officials. Now, the Midrash, of course, you know, understands this to be about Shlomo himself. Shlomo took 13 years to build his own palace, but only seven years to finish the Beit HaMikdash, so he was praised for the fact that for the Beit HaMikdash he did the job quickly while he took his time building his own. Ki teishev l'chom et Moshel bin tavin et asher lefanecha. When you sit down to, to sup with a ruler, look very carefully at whatever they put in front of you. The point being, don't be in a rush to eat and don't eat too much and don't make yourself look like, you know, a person who just can't wait to get food into their mouth. The sakin below echa and baal nefesh ata. Baal nefesh here means a person with a really, you know, strong appetite. No matter how delicious the food looks, put a knife in between your teeth. That means, you know, where you would swallow rather than uh, grab the food. Because that basically is going to make you look bad. No matter how delicious the food looks, don't make it look like you can't wait to eat it. Because you're going to be very, this bread is going to disappoint you. In other words, king is not inviting you to a meal and putting all this food in front of you or the Moshele unless basically they want something from you. So worry about the food at some other time. Right now, find out what it is and why you were invited. Pay your attention to that rather than to the food, because otherwise you could give the Moshele a bad impression. Again, you can see how this type of thing would come from Egyptian wisdom. This is a two-verse proverb saying, don't work very hard to get rich. Don't, don't knock yourself out. Well, yagea is the word of, you know, a person should work hard to feed their family. But beyond that point, they should not sit there and knock their brains out because the money that you get can be disappeared tomorrow, just fly away as fast as it flew in. What comes quickly goes quickly, and it will fly away just like the eagle flies off in the sky. And so don't, don't sit there and spend all your intelligence working to earn money. Work hard enough to pay your basic bills and then use your intelligence to learn Torah.
Now we have a three-verse unit. Al tilcham et lechem ra'ayin va'al tit'av l'matam otav ki kamo sha'ar benafsho kein hu echo u'shteyomarloch v'libo bal imoch. Pitecha achalta tikiena v'shichata devarecha hani'imim. The scene here is a miser invites you over for a meal and it looks like the miser is putting in front of you all the most delicious food. But the fact is, the miser again is like the ruler before. He's only inviting you over because he wants something out of you. All the food he's putting in front of you is there because he just wants something out of you. He doesn't really want you to eat it and he's just put it out there as an estimate of what he really wants to get out of you. Sha'ar here doesn't mean gate. It means like hashara in the Talmudic sense of estimate, according to Rashi, and I think this is correct. Cain, who, this is what he wants. He'll tell you, eat, drink, and be merry, but actually he's watching every single morsel you put into your mouth, and he doesn't want to forgive you that you should even basically eat anything anyway. So that you're going to eat from him, you're going to throw up, and furthermore, it's going to destroy whatever good words you came to say or you thought would advance your cause. Because the more he sees you eat, the more he's not going to listen to anything that you really have to say. But as kasil al not much point sitting and talking into the words of a fool into the ears of a fool, because he's just going to despise the most sensible thing that comes out of your mouth. Notice that at the beginning of this unit, he said, Hat That you should listen to. Now, we heard before, Now we're hearing, As part of a two-verse unit, Again, this is talking about Hashem. Uh, but now I think the word olam might be meaning something along the lines of olalim or ulim. In other words, it's not the boundaries of old. It means the boundaries of, of young children, uh, and that would be the parallel for Sadeyatomim al Tavo. In other words, olam here should be read not as ancestral or eternal, but rather that of young children. Hashem is going to basically see to it that he's going to take the case and see to it that they win and not you. Now, the father extends, you know, his, what he started with Ha'aznecha. Ha'avina la'musar li'becha la'aznecha le'imrei da'at. This actually is, is, is from a different collection of Egyptian proverbs and, uh, what shall I say, ancient Near Eastern proverbs, the words of Achikar. But wisdom literature, and this is the point I'm really trying to make, was international in flavor. When you read Mishle, Kohelet, and EO, you don't really get a feeling of these necessarily emanating from Am Yisrael. 
There's nothing in these books to tell you anything about specific institutions that have to do with the Israelites. No place names other than authorial ones like, you know, Melech Birushalayim, and no, nothing describing anything at all that would characteristically be associated with what was going on among us, Shabbat, festivals, uh, you know, Kuhunan, the Vuah. There's nothing in there that you, couldn't be just as well written by someone else. The, the, the main idea that is characteristic for ours is the stress on Yerat Hashem. But the basic wisdom maxims are very similar, you know, in the entire ancient Near East. The point here is that don't hesitate to, 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 to strap uh, a, a, an adolescent who basically is not uh, listening to, uh, it's exactly what Sefer Tavarim says, we low, we yisru, how do you get to be a Ben Sorir Moreh? Ki vi yisru oto below yishma alahem. The, the Mishle is stating, atob ha-shevet takenu, better to whip him and save, his, save him from Shaol. In other words, you know, if the kid is not made to behave properly, he's going to end up in Shaol and have an early death anyway. So it makes a great deal of sense to basically see to it as a child is disciplined early on before the child does something that's going to that's going to end the kid in prison. And who knows what else goes on in America? You see this type of situation every day with young people. And you know, one of the great scenes that happened in Baltimore was a, a mother going out and screaming at her son, telling him if he doesn't stop riding, she'll kill him. Okay, we're done for today. Tomorrow we're going to resume and uh, go from and finish uh, chapter 23. We're going to start with 2315, and that'll be called Unit 23. Shalom.